So we're still here, and I have to admit, it is lovely being able to record a podcast in such peace and quiet. Ah, oh, as with so many things in life, there's always an upside. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. I have to laugh. I was just reading that on the screen because uh, I type out some keynotes as I'm doing this and realised I can't spell photography. <laughs> I've been doing it for years and still I'm misspelling it. I think it says phota, photography. For, <laughs> anyway, clearly I was hammering away. The keys, hello one and all. It is a Saturday afternoon. I'm recording this on the 4th of April. I'm sitting here. It's 10 to 6. And... The peace and quiet at the moment is indescribable. I was walking along the road to come down to the studio to record it, and all I could hear was the birds. They're so loud. And when the birds are loud, you know that all the time they've been masked by the sounds of aircraft and cars and trains and trucks. And then suddenly, all I can hear is Mother Nature at her finest. And it's just lovely. The studio is utterly silent, partly because without the workload going on in here, none of the server fans are running. Um, and it's just warmed up enough that none of the heating is on. So there's just nothing. There's just me and uh, the one computer that I need to run to record this. And it's really rather lovely. And now I have to admit for these podcasts, I said in the last podcast I would record more, but in the end I've been unbelievably busy. And... Also, I found it very hard to know what tone to strike. It's a difficult thing because as everybody's in such a mixed set of circumstances, from those who are frustrated at being in a, at home, to those who are obviously loving it, to those who are suffering at the hands of this dreadful virus. And it's really hard to know how to pitch, what pitch to take with a podcast because it reaches so many people and I, you know, we have um, listeners all over the world and I really didn't know quite how to deal with it. You can't be flippant about it, but you can't be maudlin or morose either. So I really hope, I really hope I'm going to get the pitch about right. Right now, coronavirus is affecting nearly everybody I know, but it hasn't reached us or me anyway, my family physically. So I have, I'm not suffering at the hands of this dreadful virus. I'm suffering at the in the circumstances, but the actual virus itself hasn't got to us here just yet. And so with that in mind, I'm trying just to stay really positive. And that's actually, I'm kind of wired that way. I'm a pretty positive sort of person. I can usually see my way through it. Not always. My parents used to laugh at me when I was little. They called me Eeyore. Because although I was a pretty chilled character on the whole, I'm not one of those, <laughs> I don't fly off the handle very much. I did find stuff a bit I don't know. I used to get very just uh, about stuff, you know. <laughs> I think that was just the way I was. It was uh, there's a there's a line in one of the A.A. Milne um, Winnie the Pooh books, and I think E.R. says something like, "It was a little house, but it was my house." I think a rock had landed on E.R.'s house. I seem to remember that, and my mum and dad used to laugh at me because I was a bit like that. Stuff would go wrong, and I'd be like, "Oh, 
It was mine. That was my day. Etc. Etc. Anyway, I'm not like that anymore, I don't think. I'm pretty positive and I have the luxury of doing something that I utterly love. Now, right now, of course, we have the same challenge everybody else does. The clients are ringing up one by one by one by one uh, to cancel or postpone their weddings and their portrait shoots. And so, like everybody else, our diary is a constantly evolving set of moving dates, uh, which is entertaining. And of course, as long as those dates are moving, there's no revenue coming in. And we don't know when this is going to end. So we've shored up, we've put everything as far as we can on hold. Um, I'm now the only employee of my business, which is really weird. Um, so there's just me down the studio just for now while we sort out, sort our way through this thing. Um, but I've, if anything, I'm busier than ever. Yes, all right, the phone isn't ringing off the hook and there aren't thousands of emails coming in, um, but there is still so much to do in a photography business. And there are aspects of this, there are aspects of this job that I just love but don't normally get the time to do so things like retouching it's retouching i mean beautiful retouching is such a time intensive process it's a real luxury i i I retouch like some people do a crossword i love the technical detail of it and i love the time it takes but of course in our normal day to day i think i allow about two minutes per image and of course a retoucher would laugh a professional retoucher would laugh because that you know, re- retouching an image can take a day for a complicated image, maybe more. And I rarely do that. And I love it. I love spending time retouching. And now there's a bit of time in the diary. I will get to that. I haven't yet. Um, I'm learning more and more about 3D modelling. For those of you on the Mastering Portrait Photography website, you'll have seen that we're building room sets, um, trying to make these things ultra realistic. So when you show your frames to a client or even just for the personal satisfaction of seeing what an image would look like on a wall. We've provided some tools to do it and we built them for us really here at the studio. But of course, they have a much wider uh, usage of the photographers. So we've put those up. Um, If you log on to uh, Mastering Portrait Photography, you'll find uh, every day pretty much there are new and varied uh, models coming up room sets coming up and it's been great I'm loving working out how to use all the different bits of software I used to teach 3D studio and so for me it's kind of a bit of a trek back and having to learn a whole new set of interfaces a whole new set of tools but actually applying a photographer's eye now I'm not a great architectural photographer in fact I'm a terrible 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 sorry Sean Conboy if you're out there (laughs) I know I'm not good when it comes to buildings I like things that talk back at me and buildings don't do that but I'm really enjoying the discipline of sitting down and trying to work this stuff out Uh, graphic design I've always loved graphic design I trained as an industrial designer but I was never a very good industrial designer Um, I was always better at the graphical aspects of it and so I'm enjoying spending some time doing that web design you know we need The one thing that has to happen is when we come out of this, we have to be running at full tilt, ready to go, because we don't know what's going to happen. What I do know is if I'm not ready, then we're going to pay the price for that. If I am ready, who knows? There might not be a market out there um, when everything comes back together, but I've I've got nothing else I can do. And so I'm betting everything on that. Um, I've always loved writing. I've always loved writing ever since. I had this fantastic English teacher called Mr. Betley. Mr. Betley, if you're out there, somebody put me in touch. I tried to find him with an unusual name like Betley. I thought I'd find him. Uh, He taught in the Allen School in North Wales, my old North Wales, when I was there. And he 
I don't know, he was he was a git, really. <laughs> he, he made me laugh, and he certainly taught me how to write. Him and Miss Ellis, who was my English literature teacher, those two, between the two of them, I just loved it, and I still love writing. I still have a real thing about putting words down on the page. So maybe I'll get some time to write some of that, some stuff that I haven't done for so long. Um, and recording videos. I love recording all the little retouching videos that we're doing. I just don't get much time. And I also have a problem here in the studio that I record them right slap bang in the middle of a really busy studio. Well, hang on, have a listen to how busy it is right now. Mm. <laughs> Quiet, isn't it? But it does mean now I can record videos and do whatever I like. So there's time and I'm really loving those aspects of it. There are things I don't like to do, but I do need to do. So archiving, organising the folders, cleaning kit, sensor cleaning. I hate sensor cleaning. I hate sensor cleaning because I'm terrified. The camera, I'm terrified, but I can't. I change the lenses. So if I'm shooting a wedding... Um, I change the lenses rather than have two cameras. I'm one of those guys. I'm from that school of thought. Um, I find it quicker and easier. The camera is still set so I can take a wide shot and a telephoto shot in a heartbeat. And because I use manual exposure, it means I don't have to reset anything. I just clamp a new lens on the front and shoot. But the downside, of course, is the ingress of dust, bits of grass. <laughs> We did actually found, we found, I sent it, in the end, I sent the camera back to repair to Nikon three times. It was a pretty new camera at the time. It was only six months old. And it had misfocusing. It just occasionally were not able to lock on. Eventually, I persuaded them there really was a problem. They kept sending it back, couldn't find anything. And I sent it back one last time and said, listen, here's, the, here, or I showed them, I said, here's a series of pictures. You can see it's not locking. No matter what you're telling me, it's not a calibration issue. And eventually they took the thing apart. And I got a report back saying they found a blade of grass in the focus box, <laughs> which is just, oops. Uh, I don't know how it got in there. I mean, I didn't change the lens on the ground. Uh, and I don't remember having grassy hands. So who knows? Um, but I do need to clean the sensors fairly regularly. And I'm pretty decent at it. I'm not great at it. It's a little bit of an art. And I don't have really... Um, the right environment or the right eyesight, to be frank, uh, to do it. But it's got to be done. So that's all happening. Uh, tidying up. I'm not the world's greatest tidier, but the studio does need a sprinkling. We were halfway through it when all of this kicked off. I'd built shelves and storage and all sorts of things, but I haven't finished the tidying up bit. And now it's here on my own. It's nice because I can drag stuff off shelves and leave it around for a day or two while I figure out what to do with it and then put it back. So it's all got to be done. It's all got to be done. And then one thing that I've I've never... Funnily enough, I don't know why I don't like it, but I don't like doing this. I don't like having to pull together a portfolio. Not because I don't like the work or I don't like the finished portfolio, but I'm terrified that I'm going to miss something. You know that that moment where you're showing people, I do this a lot. I do a lot of presentations. I'm standing there and midway through, I'm talking about something. Thinking, do you know what? I should have included this amazing image. It's like when you do an image competition at the end of a year. And you dig out all of these images and you eventually, you know, you, you, you get someone to help you select them down. You do your retouch on lots and lots and then you print some of those and then you reject a few more. And in the end, you boil it down like a fine jus, like a chef. And you send the files off. And then literally as the deadline passes, you go, oh, bugger, I forgot that image. Why didn't I submit that image? And you look at the dates and realise that next year it'll be too late. Well, I have those head-slapping moments all the time. Do <laughs> you know? And that's why I don't like doing portfolios because I, by the time I've considered it, so I'll put them on our screens. Sarah, Sarah pulls these things together and I'll, yeah, I'll have a quick look. 
And she's brilliant at it. Sarah's really organised and ruthless. And those are the perfect skills for doing a portfolio. And I'm neither of those things. So I'll have them on my screens. And all I want to do is just peruse through. And I'll do that for weeks. And by the time I come to make a decision, I've got another 25 images that I've created for someone. And so they now need to be considered as well. And I'm terrible at it. So now maybe now I'm not creating any imagery or not much anyway. Now maybe it's the time. Uh, to pull together a portfolio. So these are the things that I should be and am doing. And one thing that really scares me is I'm loving it. And I don't know why it scares me, but it does scare me. And I, But I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving the phone not ringing. Now, that's one of those paradoxes, isn't it, of a, of a photographer is you need the phone to be ringing. You need emails coming in. You need your website to have inquiries or else you don't have a business. But the problem with that is you're always on the back foot, and I'm always on the back foot. And so I just found I don't have the time to really give something my all, and I've always been one of those guys, one of those people that loves to be inside something. That's why I've got a PhD. Right? I spent four years four years studying the tiniest amount of, of nothingness. My, my physics teacher at school, I don't know if I've ever told this story, my physics teacher, I think his name was Dr. James. And he said, guys, you need to know this. He said, when you're doing your O-levels, and O-levels in the UK, these are the exams you did back in the uh, 80s when you were 15, 16 years old. I don't know what the equivalent is around the world, but back then, O-levels. And he said, in your O-levels, you learn very little about a heck of a lot. And he said, when you get to the next ones, your A-levels, which you take when you're about 17, 18, you, you learn a little bit more about a little bit less. And then eventually, if you're lucky, you'll go to university. And there, he said, if you do a degree, you'll learn quite a lot about not a lot. And if you really do go on to do stay in academia, which I did, he said, if you go on to do a PhD, he says, you learn a heck of a lot about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh. It stuck with me. A heck of a lot about nothing. And it just made me smile. Anyway, I'm that kind of guy, right? I like to get inside stuff. And you never get that chance when you're working a busy business because it's that careful what you wish for thing. We needed a vibrant, busy business full of clients, creating tons of photography. And that's exactly what I had. But the pressures of running a business meant I very often felt I was compromising time and effort and not really really understanding some of the stuff and researching and studying some of the stuff I was doing. And there's so much I wanted to do. So the other day, for instance, we've recorded a video and we're going to write an article on how to use the two rotor light lights. So I had some time, funnily enough, and so I spent a couple of hours figuring out the timing on the light for a rotor light because it's an LED, it's not a strobe. And although they say high-speed sync, what do they mean by that? And actually studying it and looking at the trigger patterns and how the lights fire and why it works the way it does. None of it's very complicated, but you really do have to spend time getting your head around it. And so I did, and it was wonderful. Um, and at some point, I'll record a little video on the technical aspects of that because uh, I think it'd be useful for people who are using rotor lights and very similar kit. And so I now have a lot of time. We've got no money, of course. <laughs> so I, one thing we are being is incredibly resourceful. I'm using up years, years and years of hoarding. Now, those people that knock me for being a bit of a hoarder, yeah, I'll take that. Fair enough. I do have a garage full of bits of wood that one day be useful. Do you know what? They now are. 
So I've built shelving. I've built all sorts of storage. Uh, I've done wiring. We have dragged out. I've got tons of wire. I never throw a piece of wire away. Why do you throw a piece of wire away? I've got every type of wiring you could possibly want. The other day, the kids wanted to get out the old PlayStation, the old Xbox, and the old um, Nintendo Wii. And we've got nearly all of the cabling. I'm missing one cable. One cable. I threw away my SCART leads. And I really annoyed myself because, of course, SCART's defunct. You know, I threw away, I had SCART splitters and all sorts. Uh, but the Wii, we don't have a Wii RGB or HDMI out, but we've only got SCART. And I have to, I'm going to have to go for, I will find, I will find it. I will find a SCART head and strip it down and wire onto it a video feed. I'll get the soldering iron out. I never throw anything away and it's great. But one thing I have to say I am struggling with, though, is guilt. And I don't know why. I think I feel guilty about why do I feel so comfortable with this all? I mean, everything around me is chaos. You know, people are working from home. We can't get hold of any people. Uh, you can't get hold of stuff unless it's loo rolls, which now are abundant because the loo roll manufacturers went absolutely ballistic and produced millions of these things. So, of course, all the supermarkets are now stocked up with loo roll. People, at some point, someone's going to realise we didn't need more loo roll because no one's going to the loo more. We just needed it distributed a bit more evenly, not by some of the idiots that went out there and bought tons of it because they've now got cupboards full. <laughs> They're not going to buy loo roll for the next six months. So, I don't know, strange world. But I feel slightly guilty. I find it really hard to know how to feel about all of this because I'm love I love my work. I love my job. I'm so enjoying having the opportunity to sit and invest time in things that normally would be backburnered. Normally there'd be someone going, will you please stop playing with whatever it is and get on with this client piece of work. But at the moment, there's, I mean, there's a few bits that do have to roll through. I do need to get them out there. Um, and I have had a couple of little jobs that have come in really, really usefully, which is really nice stuff that I can do in the studio without any face to face interaction. I'm not a product photographer, but occasionally um, I do a few bits and pieces and that's really nice. But the guilt, it's that guilt that I should be doing the things that I normally have to do. And right now I don't have to do them. And so that's really, really lovely. And it's, well, not the guilt. The guilt's not really lovely, but actually being able to invest the time is really lovely. And the other thing we're doing at the moment in the studio, and I'd just like to say thank you at this point, because this is a germ of an idea that came from a photographer called Alfonso Azevedo Neves. And I'm hoping I've pronounced his name right. He messaged me on Instagram. He's one of our uh, podcast listeners. So if you're listening, thank you, Alfonso. And he was talking about some of the things he's doing and so here at the studio we took that gem of an idea and we've done something very similar um so thank you <laughs> great things have come out of this podcast sometimes they come in my direction which i love and this is i guess the point of this particular podcast is every day we are going back through our back catalogue and pinging out little images to our clients just saying we're thinking of you remember this shoot remember how happy everybody was. We just thought this might make you smile. And it's just lovely. We're not a studio that sells files, but occasionally those files are useful to be able to send them out. And so that's what we're doing. And spreading a little bit of light, spreading a little bit of joy is something I can do. 
It's something I can control. In all of this is so out of our control that all I'm focusing on is the stuff that's in my control. I can do stuff at the studio. I can learn some new skills. I can get ourselves ready for when inevitably we come through this thing. And who knows what kind of economy we're going to walk into or run into or fall into. Um, who knows? All I know is that I have to be ready. I have to have done something with my time. I have to stay positive. And with spreading just a little bit of light around, that in the end is what this business was put together. I can't do much. Not really. But I can do that. I can make people smile or we can make people smile. Sarah, Michelle and myself, although it's just me here at the moment. And that's what this business was all about. I can't do much, but it's all I've got right now. That, that and the peace and quiet of a small country studio. So until next time, remember, be kind to yourself. Now go and spread a little joy, you lovely people, but do it at two metres distance, obviously. Take care.